Welcome back to Death Watch's Call of Cthulhu campaign, Descent into Darkness, Season 2. This is Episode 16, and I am Travis, and I will be your keeper today. Uh, last we left off, Dr. Andrews and Mr. Whitmire had fended off an attack by an interdimensional being, although narrowly, and Dr. Andrews has just received a surgery at Boston, Mass., while Professor Mueller and Mr. Monroe were dousing around the Boston Public Garden in search of another one of these interred corpses of a member of the Chapel of Contemplation. But before we jump back into that, let's have our investigators introduce themselves and their current state of mind. We'll start with you, Brandon. I'm Brandon, playing Dr. Wallace Andrews, and currently I'm probably pretty drugged up after having received surgery in a hospital after fighting against uh, an entity too horrible to describe. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, I'm playing Lance Monroe. I'm currently split between being disturbed at having a female corpse flirt with me through the body of our medium, and curious as to what blessing he received after ripping off his own earlobe. (laughs) Hi, I'm Chris. I'm playing Johan Mueller. And uh, Johan is, uh, I don't know, maybe riding high at uh, almost having sacrificed Lamar to the the ghost possession. Okay, so I suppose we should start with Mr. Monroe and Professor Mueller as the evening wears on and the sun begins to set and the shadows in the park deepen and you see the the people around and about begin to thin out. Some people have been giving you odd looks by the equipment you've had and the fact that there is an unconscious man laying on the grass at your feet. And you are both aware that there are public safety ordinances to keep people out of parks at after sunset, but it is possible men of your station and uniquely unthreatening appearance may not be bothered should you remain here. But I will uh, open it up to you guys as you stand there looking at the unconscious form of Lamar. Well, Well, Johan, do you think we should seek him some medical attention? Oh, just an earlobe. Nothing that drastic. Uh, I'm more concerned about his mental state than his physical state. I don't even know if... uh... That is a problem. Why concern ourselves? He knew what he was getting into. Well, I'd like him to survive long enough to at least understand what the blessing was that she bestowed upon him. I would like him to survive long enough to at least find one more interred corpse. (laughs) Yes, well... Should we wake him, or should we just drag him to a bench or something? Yes, let's attempt to wake him. Um, 
in the meantime, do you happen to have any anything on you that we might be able to use to to reach in and pull out the uh, the object that we found in the tree, or are we going to need to make a trip to a jeweler's shop like we had discussed? Uh, we will probably need to head to a jeweler's shop, but I hesitate on removing the... Do I know a word that these would be, Travis? I guess you would be... <laughs> yeah, because we don't... I suppose you would have to be creating a new term for it. Soul as, cubes. <laughs> yeah, whatever you guys want to call it, you could you could theory craft on, on what this item is doing exactly. These are soul fetters, if you will, Monroe, uh, for disturbing whatever this web is that they have set up uh, to power their infernal battery. True, but we've already removed two of them. Yes, but... Surely one more can't disturb it too much. And do we want to remove this one? I mean, uh, 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 a entombed spirit is one thing, but she's kind of ditzy. <laughs> and mildly I malicious, too. I'm a little bit concerned about that. I don't know if I want to hang around the ditzy ghost who doesn't even know, apparently, the, the workings of this, the rituals and the spells. For that, we have Corbett. I trust Corbett far less than I do her, even. Ah, uh, the thing about uh, masterminds and evil entities is they will always, almost always, uh, wish for you to know what the plan is, because they think you are lesser than them. Yes, and but Corvo is a malicious man that I, I have no doubt would quickly sacrifice anyone around him. Oh, indeed. Indeed he would. But that said, uh, if I remember correctly uh, about the events, he mostly seemed to attempt to scare us off, most likely knowing that uh, too much attention, too much murder could uh, attract the wrong eyes. I'll be poking Lamar with my cane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he begins to rouse after your fourth or fifth poke with the cane, and he kind of props himself up on his elbows, having forgotten what has happened in recent time. And he looks at you with, you know, dreamy eyes, but then a look of shock crosses his face and his hand darts to his ear again. And uh, he begins to panic all over again. Whoa, what? Uh, what uh, happened? I'll uh, see if I have a like a pocket handkerchief on me. I'll start I would expect myself. that you do. Okay, yeah, so I'll pull that out. There you go. Swap up the blood with that. <laughs> so he uh, wads it up and holds it to his ear and hastily gets to his feet sort of looking around in every direction in the park for a, a likely place to escape to, but he holds fast for now. <laughs> oh, you did the wonderful Lamar. You uh, were inspirational. I'll kind of gesture towards Monroe. <laughs> kind of, you know, a uh, go along with his buddy type of gesture. Uh, you're truly awe-inspiring the ways that you channeled the spirit. Uh, he looks to you with a frightened, questioning look, Ron Rowe, as for confirmation that this is actually true, as he's somewhat suspicious of Mr. Mueller. Why so I'll kind of suspicious? kneel down and, <laughs> and kind of take his hand, his head in both my hands and, you know, kind of be looking into his eyes and be like, you don't seem to be suffering any permanent ill effects from it, but yes, I agree. It was quite a, quite an interesting occurrence to watch you channel the spirit of a woman of the what was it she was part of the opera or 
movies, wasn't she? Mm, was it movies? I can't. A remember. vaudeville player. Oh, a vaudeville. vaudeville player. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, a, a woman of the vaudeville player is. So your confirmation of uh, makes his suspicion grow to encompass you in it. He he was suspicious of Mueller because of their past experience and the claims that he had been possessed in the Corbett house, but uh, he he becomes resigned and he's like, I don't remember it. It was just like what happened at the Corbett house. Mm-hmm. I lost time. You are most likely uh, an open door for spirits, Lamar. Uh, I have never seen uh, medium or, or whatnot uh, of such potential. Well, this is what I was afraid of. Come now, come now, man. There's been very little effect. I mean, your ear was not perfect to begin with. (laughs) (laughs) It's a small price to pay for uncovering something of this magnitude. So so what do we do now? Do I need an exorcism or... No, no. You expertly and instinctually repelled the spirit from your body. Yes, she seems to have gone back to a resting state. <clears throat> oh, well, that's good, at least. Unfortunately, you have become pinnacle to our investigation. <laughs> what? What investigation? There are more of these. <laughs> and she mentioned that she had given you a blessing. Oh, yes, 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 a blessing. What of the blessing, Herr Roma? Yes. I... Come, come, let it, I let's don't... go find a park bench where you can gather your nerves and... And and rest more easily than on the ground. Okay, so he follows you over to a nearby park bench, and you all settle down, and you get a disapproving look from a pair of old ladies who are hustling out of the park. Uh, maybe they're mostly disapproving of your style of dress, Mister Monroe. But <laughs> I'm used to uh, it. <laughs> this is highly improper. Yeah, but he uh, once he settles, he's like, I I thought I just had a daydream i i didn't think i had lost any time at first but i guess i must have it was very vivid and i'm quite embarrassed to recount it and his face sort of flushes red well Well, there's no need to be embarrassed Ah, monroe yes i i would say that it's the most natural thing in the world but you know it it really isn't but apparently it is for you and it's nothing to be ashamed of good man Come, come, tell us what what's happened. Well, I it was more than a daydream. It was like a vision almost. I had become a, a voyeur on a man and a woman in a, uh, um, an intimate setting. Hm. Yes, uh, but afterwards, the woman was rubbing the man's back and he was complaining about the stress of his job. I guess he was a doctor of some kind. But it took a turn into the truly weird after that. I, I don't know quite what the words would be, but she instructed him to tilt his head forward, you know, exposing his neck and the back of his head. And then with her thumbs, she, you know, just above the neck on the back of the head, she peeled the man's head open like it were made of clay. It was very striking. And she exposed the top of spine and the brain matter there and uh she produced a tiny blade and cut 
a portion of the the brain, I guess, out. And she looked at it and just remarked, little brain, and stuck the sliver of brain matter into her mouth. And from there, I came back and, and you guys were looking at me. Do you have any idea what that means? I, I do read weird fiction, so I, maybe my imagination has just gotten the better of me. What did this lady look like? Uh, quite attractive young woman uh, in her mid-twenties, I would guess. And he flushes all over again as he imagines the details of the particular setting. And he uh, clears his throat and, uh, yes, uh, dark hairs, dark eyes, uh, uh, quite, a, quite a looker, mm. I would say. Well, we have crossed a threshold, I believe, Monroe and Herramar, uh, and we must not discount this as some mere daydream. From this point forward, everything, no matter how odd or fanciful, must be considered reality. So, somewhere, there is a woman who is eating her lover's brains. <laughs> Wonderful! <laughs> or perhaps he was seeing the past. Uh, Quite possible. So, uh, Keeper, does the statue actually resemble the, the uh, oh, what was her name? The lady? Lily Flores. Flores. Lily Flores, yeah. Uh, yeah, he can give you, when you, when, you, when you kind of mentioned it, it looked like the statue. Uh, Lamar says, yeah, there is a passing resemblance, I, I would say. Hmm, perhaps he, when he channeled her, he consumed or absorbed some of her own memories. Quite possibly. I said reality, not the present. So, at some point, it did happen. Hmm. But how could one uh, absorb memories by eating the cerebellum or, or sipping on the cerebrospinal fluid? And he kind of cocks his head and, and he seems sort of surprised at the, the terms that he used. Well, Almost like based, he didn't know the definitions of them. Based on your... Uh, amusement on your face, your, your puzzlement, uh, you quite possibly have a small answer there as well, because apparently you have absorbed some memories from uh, uh, Frau Flores. As it appears, you do not know what you just said. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> Excited is the word you are looking for. Lamar, you look as if a <laughs> You could use a, a short walk to clear your mind. Shall we be on our way? Yes, yes. Uh, I, yes. Now, where was I this have... mass grave that you had uh, mentioned previously? Oh, uh, it's over in the Boston Commons. It's uh, a short walk from here. Although, you know, perhaps we should retire for the evening. I, I should get this ear lock looked at. Uh, just apply pressure to it, boy. And we have I a doctor always... friend that uh, that can take a look at it when we return. Yes, yes. I have always found that cemeteries and graveyards are best visited at night. They use the best results. <laughs> really? Indeed. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so he, with uh, Lamar and Toe, you guys head off to the Boston Commons to view this old graveyard, and we will jump over to Dr. Whitmire. All right. Or As Andrews. <laughs> yes, Dr. Andrews, sorry. Dr. Andrews of the Nine Fingers now. Uh, I'm the doctor now, Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he, you're now recovering. The ether has worn off, although you feel quite nauseous. But you're sitting in a bed, and you're just sort of been lost in thought there. 
you're wondering how this new turn of events might complicate matters because while it seems that one of these college boys is the culprit of Mr. Dooley's murder, how does one prove that they summon an interdimensional being to kill him in a court of law? But then your companions, Finn McCracken and Betty Williams, although Whitmire is conspicuously absent, enter the room to see how you're doing. Finn just gives you a questioning look, and Betty Williams asks you, Are you doing well, Dr. Andrews? Uh, am I? Yeah, aside from the nausea. you Your left hand is totally bandaged. It's throbbing a little bit, and you can see the reduction of your hand by that missing pinky. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Um, I'll, I'll sort of, you know, struggle into a sitting position and uh, say, yes, I, I think I'll make it. Are you uh, hungry? You want me to go get you anything from the cafeteria? I'm afraid my stomach would not hold up to anything right now. How are you doing? What do you remember? Everything that I was conscious for. I try not to think about it too much. In fact, this waiting has nearly driven me quite mad. What is it we are going to do next? Well, not sure. Does anybody anybody know where Whitmire is? So Finn pulls out his notebook and he (coughs) scrolls down for a little while. And then he hands you, you know, a couple paragraphs worth of information. And it basically says that, you know, he has, at Mr. Rupert Merriweather's behest, kept a close eye on Whitmire ever since his arrival in Boston due to his criminal connections. And the man has some odd sixth sense about something where he will just get the dreads about something and will suddenly decide to up and, you know, go buy a whole new set of clothes, you know, change out how he looks, buy a new hat, different than the one he had been wearing before, and then he would lay low somewhere for a little while, come out with a different brand of cigarettes. He thinks it was some attempt to throw off whatever imagined pair of eyes were on him, so he expects that's where he has gone now. Well, um, I'm sure he'll turn up at random (laughs) as his... (laughs) his habit but as for your question betty um i have other friends assisting me in this investigation and the next step will be to meet up with them and share information and decide what to do they'll be very interested to hear about your your boyfriend's communications through the radio i have to ask a rather large favor of you dr andrews i want to help if you intend to find my boyfriend, I I need to help, because if I just go on like nothing happened, then I'm going to think about what happened, and I fear that I will go quite mad. Um, well, I can understand that. I wouldn't want to wait on the sidelines if I were you either. So, so yes, uh, we, I'll accept what help you can offer. Thank you, and she looks extraordinarily relieved at that. Uh, Then the doctor, the doctor that treated you, uh, Dr. Simon, comes in, and he gives you the rundown on how everything went and what is to be expected from your recovery. And he says that you should be good to go as soon as you're well enough to walk. Uh, The bandages will need to be changed every day. It would be best if you came back to the hospital to do that so we can check for infection, because as you know... 
we won't have antibiotics for another seven years or so. (laughs) (laughs) So that's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. Of course, you can do it yourself as, you know, I understand you're a doctor, so I'm sure you can keep it clean and the bandage is fresh, but. Yeah, I'm a better doctor than you. (laughs) (laughs) How do you know that? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll thank him for his help and um, tell him he did a good job patching me up. Oh, well, thank you. It was was, uh, my pleasure. Now, do you need a a prescription for the pain or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Give me the heavy stuff. All right. You got it. I want to get loaded. (laughs) So, yeah, he, uh, he writes it out for you. I'm not sure what they would give you uh, for pain in this area that you would take yourself. I'm not sure if it would be as morphine in this time is usually administered via a shot. I don't know if they have like a pill version or if laudanum is, is used for that. But in any case, he, he gives you some sort of opiate prescription. And he says, as soon as you're well enough, you can gather your things and uh, we'll get you checked out. All right. So, yeah, then I'll, um, I'll take it slow, but I'll, you know, try and get to my feet. Yeah, your your stomach does kind of a backflip when you're upright, but then it seems to settle down and actually seems to uh, get better as you move around the room. And um, as far as that hand goes, the way it's bandaged up, you could hold something in it. It's like a big mitt, but, you know, you've lost, at least while it's bandaged like this, you know, the ability to articulate with it. So certain actions may have a penalty die on them if they require both hands or by an articulation. Okay. In that case, it would be totally impossible if for some reason you were doing it with your left hand. But uh, occasionally you'll get, you'll just become acutely aware of this throbbing along with your heartbeat in that hand, and it's quite painful. But for the most part, you can will it away. Okay. Well, with your things gathered, Finn and Betty walk you out of the hospital towards where Finn's car was parked. And they kind of look at you as as to where they're headed. Yeah, so where are we again? So you're at Boston, Massachusetts uh, Hospital, their general hospital there, which is located in the central part of Boston. So you're pretty close to most everywhere you've been recently. That would be the University of Massachusetts, uh, the Boston Public Library. All those places are, you know, within a square mile around here. All right, well... So in my state, I'll probably just want to go back to, uh, what's his name's, or I'll probably just want to go back to like wherever I'm staying and send a telegram to Monroe's shop that we need to meet up again for whenever he gets it. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember. Did you have an apartment here in town or? Yeah. I was like renting a room. Gotcha. At like a hotel or something. Okay. Well, back in your room, uh, Betty and Ben go their separate ways, assuring you that they'll be in touch in the morning. And if there's nothing else that you want to do, then you can freely go to sleep, as by that time it it would be the right time for sleep. Yeah, that's probably all I'll feel like doing at this point. Okay. All right, so we will... Actually, we'll stick with you for a minute. So that night, when you go to sleep, All right, so you're having a a reoccurring nightmare that kind of plays out the events in the basement of the University of Massachusetts with this hole opening in the world and that gravitational lensing occurring where it's warping 
what you see around the hole and then the creature coming out. And even though reality, you are already at a great disadvantage in your nightmares, it's even worse. And But sometimes you'll get away and you will flee. But you see this odd, out-of-place set of stone steps like leading down. It's a huge stairway. It's uh, The architecture is way out of place with where you, what you remember from the college. And they're kind of an enticement towards you to take them down, but you can choose to ignore that if you wish. Oh no, I gotta go down there. That's what stairs are for. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So you wander down these steps and the nightmare part of your dream seems to fade away. The entity pursuing you does not come down these steps and you're going down and down and you're pretty certain that you went down 70 stone steps. You don't know for sure why you think that. You didn't count them as you traveled down, but you're left with that impression. But you step into a a cavern where a huge flame burns in the center of the room, and standing near the flame are two old, well, sages. You can't think of a better term. They're dressed in robes, and they have Egyptian-style-looking crowns. And beyond the sages, a passageway beckons you even further. But when they see you come in, they say, enter and be welcome. I am Nashed. And the other one says, I am Common Thaw. We congratulate you, Dr. Andrews, on finding the way. Uh, The way to what? The way to dreams. Hmm. Well, thank you. And so (laughs) I'll like point to that that doorway and, and like give them a questioning look like, is this where I'm supposed to go next? Perhaps. But before you may pass the gates of deeper slumber, this from Common Thaw, he comes up to you and stares uh, deeply into your eyes for an uncomfortable amount of time without saying anything, but he does have a searching look. And finally, he moves to the side and then Noshed comes over and does the thing. Again, another few minutes of just staring in your eyes. And finally, they say in unison... The land of dream is not for you. And then you wake in the morning, trembling. So now we'll jump over to Mr. Mueller and Mr. Monroe. As darkness has fully arrived, by the time you get over to the graveyard in the Boston Commons, and Lamar has led you right to that headstone that's dedicated to all these laborers that were found in a mass grave, so... I'll show that to you. Okay. Do we uh, get that same sense of a place of power? No, you don't have the tingling sensation. Perhaps it's a dosing rod, Monroe? Yes, we can try them, but somehow I'm not so convinced that uh, a mass grave would have the same effect as the... What did you call them? The soul fetters? Ah, the soul fetter. Yes. For lack of uh, a actual word for these things. Yes, I, it seems as if those are what create the sources of power along the ley line rather than the corpses themselves. That or perhaps the grave is not big enough. Well, but there's nothing we can do about that. So let's pull out the dowsing rods and see what we can find. <laughs> Very well. Yeah, pull out the old... Uh, my set of dousing rods and 
see if they uh, pick up anything that isn't the way we came from. Yeah, sure. Uh, first, let's get a group luck roll. Whoever has the lowest luck. 57. Yep, you got it. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you get your two little rods in your hand and you're kind of, they're, they're kind of moving this way and that, or you both do, and you're traveling around. And uh, then you, you know, out of your peripheral, you see a light or a lantern and you see somebody holding it aloft, although it's hiding. You can't make out who it is, but they're like, what are you doing there? Clear out of the park. I'll kind of hold a hand up to try to uh, shield my eyes from the light. Uh, who, who are you? <laughs> Boston police. No one in the park after sunset. Oh, but that would, that would greatly harm the effects of the experiment. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're doing, uh, you'll need some sort of permit if you're to carry on. Do you have one? No, unfortunately, I did not know about such a thing. Uh, uh, thank you for informing us. Uh, but uh, could we perhaps, if you remain here, uh, we will not take long. We will conduct the experiment quickly and be on our way. Hey, the law is the law, but with an extreme charm or fast talk, oh, you might be man. able to. Okay. <laughs> what a day for Whitmire not to be here. Yeah, I know. Oh, ooh, what I need to get a... Ooh. Was it? It does it go hard extreme? Yeah. What yeah. What? Uh, 5%. Like, I don't want to say, and I do math in my head. <laughs> what is your charm <laughs> not? 43. Uh, oh, oh, it is a 43? Yeah. So you need a 9, so you'd have to spend 10 points. Hmm. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right. So he uh, thinks about it for a time and he steps a bit closer and he looks at each of you. Uh, he kind of pauses for a minute on Lamar, wondering why he's got a, a handkerchief held to the side of his head still. But, uh, you know, he takes in your age. Lamar's, you know, sort of small, like he doesn't have much in the way of making his presence known. He's kind of shrunk in there. And then Monroe's outfit, and he assumes that you couldn't possibly doing anything, be doing anything that would cause harm to anybody. And he says, all right, well, just hurry it up, okay? Oh, thank you, officer. This will uh, make great leaps in the complete dismissal of the supernatural. That's what we are doing here. <laughs> and I'll hold up the dousing rods. Apparently, huh? these can detect ghosts. <laughs> okay, whatever. I'm going to come back around this way in ten minutes, and if I see you here again, then we're going to have trouble. Oh, we will have vacated the premises long before then. Thank you, officer. I'll give him my, my smile, the, the Johan <laughs> smile. <laughs> the crazy old man smile? No, nice grandfatherly smile. That some well, Luckily, the uh, <laughs> darkness disguises its true nature, and he <laughs> takes it for what it was intended to be and heads on down the path, leaving you in the graveyard to right. douse around. We have ten minutes. Let's get this. Uh, let's get this over and done with. I would hate to be arrested tonight. <laughs> I agree, Lamar. Is there anything you can do while we do our dousing? Uh, like what? Open well, yourself up to the spiritual world. I guess I can try. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> you stand there and open yourself up as hard as you can to the spiritual world. <laughs> <laughs> 
I believe in you, my boy. So he stares off intently into the the night, apparently, <laughs> trying to open himself to the spirit world. Uh, so you guys could throw your occult rolls out there. Okay. Eh, nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. So you're dousing around and uh, by your expert skill of the occult, or perhaps by chance, you stumble across one of these narrow paths like you found while waiting for the tram you know, this thread of a sacred line running in some direction. This one seems to run to the northwest, though not quite back to the Chapel of Contemplation or the Corbett House, but in some other direction, slightly different direction. So do we still have that map of Boston that we had been using to try and find the ley lines while we were on the, the subway platform? Yeah, let me change you guys over. Loading, loading. There we go. Okay. So here, oh, there's Mr. Mueller. <laughs> I am very sneaky. <laughs> so yeah, I put that pin down in the public garden. That's roughly where you found the <coughs> statue, the, dedi- the dedicated statue to Lily Flores. But now you're over here, and you have pins for the Church of Contemplation. So you know that's north, and then... In a northwest direction is where you're finding this line. So it would be running more towards like the Charles River. Okay. Um, do we know of anything okay. like this? Okay, up in that direction. Do we know of anything in that direction? Like there's the asylum just on the other side of the river. Um, or is it pointing more towards like where the Hermetic Order is? Like if we kind of follow the line. Yeah, so it's not. A direct line to the Hermetic Order of the Silver Twilight. It would be somewhere between there and the Chapel of Contemplation. Okay. So you could see that sort of pink area. Up in the north. So, yeah. Possibly the asylum that's right right here next to where the candle is now. Perhaps. You do know that's there. Uh, Other landmarks, you know, are they have a storied hotel, the Omni Parker House. There are some playhouses that are quite famous, the Wilbur Theater, erected in 1912, amongst other things. Um, Lamar's sort of scratching his head, trying to think of something historical that might play into it, but he kind of shrugs after a time. Well, can we mark on the map kind of the general line and direction that we had kind of uncovered, so that uh, after we leave here, we, we still have the general idea? Yeah, let me pull out a marker. Out of the way. Well, Monroe, I think that this is a bunk, so there's nothing here. But I believe that our superior medium, Herr Lamar, should confirm that there is no spirits here. Yes, Lamar, have you sensed any presences? I don't feel anything happening. That is good. I fear that a mass grave such as this, if that if there were spirits... They would descend upon you in like a feeding frenzy of Paranta in the <laughs> South American Amazon, and they would probably tear your soul apart. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that it is, is quite time to retire, gentlemen. I must Lamar. insist on the matter. I agree. That I is. agree, good man. Let, let, let's begin heading back to the uh, the subway, and we will get you back to your shop in short order. And I'll kind of 
give uh, Johan that look that says, you went a little bit too far. I was simply stating that if he was not as an experienced and powerful medium, that such a thing would happen. Being a novice, I have, I have seen novices experience such horrible fates. <laughs> and Lamar would, is no novice, clearly. Well, regardless, he has not sensed anything, and we must be on our way before that officer returns. So uh, we can discuss what we have found on our way back to his shop and drop him off and back to mine to see if there has been word from the others. Ah, agreed. I am getting rather tired, so, so I definitely agree with this. In the meantime, uh, see- Mr. Lamar, um, I am curious about some of this surprised knowledge that you seem to have come across after your encounter with the uh, Lily Flores. and uh, Which the, knowledge would that be? As we as we walk towards the subway, I'll, I'll be kind of poking and prodding a little bit with various questions about, you know, the brain and other things to see if I could coax out any other strange knowledge from him. Or maybe ask him, you know, about rituals involving, you know, the brain or mental issues and you know yeah so uh questions in particular about the human anatomy uh, when you're talking about the brain do you seem to cause him to use terms like medical jargon type terms that he seems surprised when he uses them like he knows what he's talking about but if you were to ask him to define say like the cerebellum then he would be like i just know it's that part that she ate from i don't know what it is you know, but these terms keep popping up in his his speech. But as far as rituals go, he uh, like there's nothing that he has to say about that. Okay. That seems odd. <clears throat> Do you have any sudden odd hungers, cravings? I know that I skipped dinner today, so I am rather hungry. But what about you, Lamar? Uh, no, I, my appetite is is quite gone. Hmm. Well, perhaps that is for the best. <laughs> so throughout this conversation you guys get off the the, tra- the tram there and you're at, before his shop give me a hard spot hidden yeah I fell in spectacular fashion okay well he gives his farewell at the door to his shop and we'll uh, see you bright and early tomorrow oh uh, yes about that well perhaps I should take a, a day off I think hmm but my good man, you must come see our doctor friend to take a look at that ear and make sure that nothing is awry with it. Uh, perhaps. Uh, do you have an address, maybe, where I should meet you? Um, no, but I have this handy flyer. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've already given him like two or three of those flyers. One more uh, can't hurt. But yeah, I'll, I'll tell him. Uh, yes, yeah, so you can meet meet us at my museum or. Uh, was it O'Flanagan's that we usually have breakfast at? Yes. Yeah. Or, yes, we usually take breakfast at O'Flanagan's around, say, 8.30 in the morning. O'Lafferty's. O'Lafferty's. Right. <laughs> okay, he's like, well, yes, I, I may perhaps be there. Good night. And he closes <laughs> the door. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look at right. Monroe with a <laughs> kind of a laugh that's being stifled on by a molar. <laughs> Oh, so idiot. <laughs> yes, but rather useful, I might say. I'm glad that nothing serious came to harm with him, although some of the uh, things that he was speaking about seemed interesting. I wonder if that's what she meant by blessings. 
very well. It very well could be. Uh, I'll start walking. Uh, oh man, I need to try to find a place to stay the night. Uh, uh, you wouldn't happen to know where there's a, 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 a boarding house? A boarding house, yes. Um, Travis, do I know of one in the area? Uh, yeah, you guys aren't too far from the the Omni Parker house that I mentioned before. It is a luxury hotel, though, and, and may cost you a little bit. But beyond that, you could find a, a cheaper one. Cheaper one. That you could direct them to. So, yeah, I'll, I'll lay out all the different ones that, that I was aware of. All right. So, yeah, I'll uh, kind of start walking in the direction of the cheaper one. Because uh, I don't think that we should probably have a conversation directly outside his, his shop. Yes. Well, I'm going to stop by my museum, and uh, I suppose I'll see you first thing in the morning. All right, Monroe. And be careful. <laughs> Those uh, Frenchmen, I do not know how you got rid of them, but uh, that Whitmire. <laughs> yes. He seems to have a knack of making trouble, and now your name is on their list. <laughs> well, as we found out in Peru, uh, there doesn't seem to be any way of avoiding some of those things. That is true. Such is life. Anyway, yes. I do hope to see you tomorrow for breakfast, and I hope our canary in the coal mine arrives as well. Yes, I agree. If not, perhaps uh, perhaps we could bring along Mr. Call tomorrow, or Dr. Call, I suppose, as it were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is one of your associates at uh, the Hermetic Order. Yes, and, and rather intrigued by some of our investigations as well. Mm, might be best to, uh, oh, what is the word, uh, not pick someone so close to home to be your your canary, uh, if you get my meaning. Perhaps. But what am I? Worst comes to worst, we can just hire a bum. <laughs> anyway, well, good night, Herr Monroe. We'll see you on the morrow. And I'll start. Hobbling away, leaning heavy on my cane, probably rubbing the small of my back. <laughs> yes, you are quite tired. And on that note, are you going to attempt to, through will, tamp down your phobia and go to sleep tonight? You could do so with a successful hard power roll, or are you going to remain awake? I don't. I don't know. That's one of those weird things. Like, was the second day? It'd almost be getting to the point where I'd probably need power rolls to stay awake. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's because the thought of it adrenalizes you, right? You're not yeah. like in a normal state. You're not. Uh, you start to panic, like as you when you settle when you get to this north end in, we'll call it, where you get your room and you're very tired, and it sounds like a good idea, but when you're in that quiet moment thinking about it, your heart starts to race. You know, you get cold sweats. Okay, a- adrenaline starts pouring through you, and that's what makes it difficult for you to do it because you start to panic yeah um it's one of those where i think i'll make the roll or i'll i'll do the roll but it would be more of an accident like johan's probably going to sit down in a chair at a desk okay and probably try to prepare himself for staying up all night and the power roll will be if he kind of succeeds at that or not um so (laughs) falls asleep in his chair (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so you were just able to uh, focus your mind on something acutely enough that the panic subsided, that panicky feeling, and then you drifted off. This is what I was going to attempt to do. (laughs) I was going to set out a piece of paper, get my fountain pen out, 
and I was going to set Corbett's knife on the desk, and I was going to think about start asking him some questions, see if I get okay. some dialogue going with him writing it out on the, the paper, but Johan probably fell asleep near instantly. Okay. And Mr. Monroe, was there anything you needed to do before you call it a night? Well, I was going to stop by my museum, and I'm guessing that the message from Dr. Andrews that he was injured would be there? Yes. Yes. So he's arranging a meeting. I assume it would have to now be in the morning. I think it was probably already always intended that way. Okay. Yeah. Where did you want it to be, Dr. Andrews? The normal place? Yeah, the breakfast. Well, Lafferty's. Lafferty's. Okay. All right. Um, no, I guess with that, uh, yeah, I don't think I remembered to pick up any more of the Corvid journals. So I don't have those to go over. I believe you have all of the uh, actual documentation. You just don't have the dagger. You had you were the last in possession of the journals, so unless you left them at your boarding house in Arkham. No, that that I thought that we had split them and that I had taken the second half and he had taken the first. You had split the Oren B. Eddy journals. Oh, that's you have right, all ones. of the Corbett journals. Okay. So yeah, I'll I'll uh, go through his journals. Um, see if there's anything in there about eating any kind of thing about eating brains or uh, any kind of rituals like that. No, he doesn't speak to that, but you know, a thought does occur to you that Lily Flores, given her age, would have been after Corbett's time. So maybe if there were new abilities discovered in the Liber Ivanus, um, it would have been when Corbett was interred in the after Corbett was interred in the house. Okay. Beacon Street House. Um, and then we still have... Did we ever get uh, a more complete list of the people that were part of the Church of Contemplation? I know that there have been several like little names dropped here and there. Um, yeah, no, no new names have been added uh, besides the big ones that Dr. Andrews and Whitmire confirmed by talking to the retired police detective on the edge of Boston, which was Daniel Ellsworth, William Murrow, and Lily Flores. Okay. And had, and had they talked to us about that since then? I can't quite remember. Yeah. You guys had gathered together at breakfast and then you moved on to the shop and you, you smoked the dream castle tobacco and (laughs) and so forth. So, uh, so I'm I'm going to try and do just kind of a little cross referencing of the names to anything in the, in that neighborhood where, we kind of saw that line of power drawing towards. Okay. If there were any ties to like the the main hotels or any anything in there. Well, it is a good line of reasoning with the materials you have. It doesn't point to anything, but you know, perhaps if you could see public information on Ellsworth or Murrow's actions, that might help because they were both in the public. One was a councilman in Boston, and the other one was a senator for Boston. Okay. Uh, yeah, that'll be something I can look look for tomorrow morning. Okay, then. Well, we'll call that the end of the day, and you guys go to sleep. Now, both of you appear in the now familiar field before the burial mound with the windmill, you know, sort of creakily turning on this flat patch of land somewhere further west than Massachusetts. And you're both there, and you're both in a lucid state. 
So you kind of look at each other. That would be Mr. Mueller and Mr. Monroe. However, in your case, Mr. Mueller, you see a stone stairway just inexplicably there in the flat terrain leading somewhere down into the earth. What is this? Uh, this does not make any sense. I'll be kind of looking at it, kind of ignoring Monroe. And from your perspective, Monroe, he appears to be looking at just a random patch of ground. But yeah, in, in normal fashion, I'll walk up and you know pat him on the shoulder and ask him if we should continue our exploration of the uh, artifacts and and extended um, structures underneath the mound. I would be more curious as to this structure that does not seem to match the terrain, Herr Monroe. Mm. It's odd that you haven't spoken of it already. I'm afraid I see no structure. You do not see a descending stairwell into darkness? And I'll look where he, he's I'll seen. I'll just kind of tab my cane on the, uh, like the edge of it. Yeah, and just a little dust puffs up around the vegetation there where he taps a apparently empty patch of earth. And I'll say, no, I... I see nothing there. What is it that you see? A set of stone stairs descending into darkness, as if there was a foundation built into this uh, surrounding ground, like it. I'll try walking over the area that he he's pointing towards. It's as solid as you have come to expect from good earth. Nothing gives way. Nothing changes. He must be imagining things. Do I see him kind of float? <laughs> Yeah, he just walks over it without falling down. You remain suspended when walking over the entrance, Monroe. Apparently it is not for you, this dream. Apparently it's not, though. Now I'm curious why. Uh, Apparently our our paths will diverge for this night. Very well. I wish you the best of luck, and I will... hold out a hand to shake. (laughs) And I'll, I'll reach out and shake his hand as well. Uh, I would wish you Godspeed, Herr Monroe, but we all know that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, take care of yourself, and uh, we will see you at breakfast in the morning. Mm. Same to you, and I'll begin to walk down the stair. And I'll watch him disappear into the ground. Right, yeah, so he just, um, almost like he clips through the terrain, just down until the top of his head disappears, and then he is gone. Thank God my ragdoll physics didn't kick in. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Mr. Mueller, you head down these stone steps, and by the time you get to the bottom, you're sure there were 70 of them. You're not sure how you are sure. You didn't consciously count them, but that's the impression you have. And before you is a cavern in which a bright flame burns in the center, and two old men dressed in robes and Egyptian-looking crowns, sort of beckon you forward, and you see there's a passageway behind them, which is what really draws your attention. I'll go forward. Uh, I'll, at my age, every step is considered cautious, so cautiously. <laughs> Enter and be welcome, says the first old man. I am Nosht. And then the other one says, I am Common Thaw. We congratulate you, Mr. Mueller, on finding the way. Uh, thank you. And uh, what uh, is there any like uh, things that I could do that might uh, clue me in as to what this is? Or is this you could, all... No, go for it. You could try a Cthulhu Mythos roll. All right, let's give it a try. 
<laughs> Do I get a check mark that? No, I can't. Dang no. it. <laughs> Nicely done. Okay, so peppered throughout a lot of the De Vermis Mysterious that you have been reading and in little bits and pieces that you've picked up elsewhere, you have heard of a place that overlaps or is a separate place from the waking world or, or you know, called a dream world or often referred to as a dream world or a dream land in which, in one case, Ibon traveled through it in search of, you know, knowledge. But it was a fantastical place with strange inhabitants. And certain of the deities spoken about, for example, Zagua, also had places in the dreamland from which they ruled. Hmm. So but you think that this might be something like that. So, do I stand before uh, a gateway or entrance into uh, the dream, the deeper dream world? or I... Yes, you stand before the gates of deeper slumber. Hmm. Are you worthy to continue? I would hope to think I am. I we shall see. Take my measure? Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so they step forward and one after the other stare into your eyes for an uncomfortable amount of time. Uh, you get this sense, as Dr. Andrews did, of it somehow penetrating your innermost soul, perhaps. But I finally, Noshed says... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that I knew I should have undergone the tray panning. Probably would have helped. <laughs> <laughs> Alas, the land of dream is not for you. Mm. And then common thought confirms the same thing, and you wake that morning trembling. And then it's like a, a bit of panic that shoots through you at the fact that you realize you had fallen asleep. But uh, we'll bounce back over to Monroe here and finish out his part. Okay. So this all-too-familiar burial mound lies in the distance, Monroe, and you have watched Mueller sink into the earth to parts unknown. What do you do? I'll, you know, kind of follow the first part of the same journey that we'd had before where, you know, I head down into the mound and then down deeper into kind of the more ancient areas. Only this time I'm going to split off on into a different path from where I'd gone before, um, knowing that the one that we'd used before, I couldn't get down without having some sort of rope or some help. Right. Yeah, so your progress is paused momentarily as you see when you enter the mound. Detective Wayne Nichols is just sort of foggy-eyed regarding the interior of the mound. He, he doesn't seem to notice you at this time. Would you like to leave him there or continue on? Or, I guess, talk to him? Of course I'll talk to him. Might as well bring him along. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll come up and once again... Hail him, you know. Ah, good to Mr. Nichols. How are you doing? He's like, he sort of blinks and his eyes come into focus and he's like, uh, Mr. Monroe, what what are you doing here? Well, it seems that after our meeting and after I had taken that small statue, I began having these dreams as well. If you'd like, you can come with me as we explore uh, some caverns underneath this mound that oh. are rather intriguing. It had to do with the statue? It appears to be. Everyone that, that I've... Uh, encounter that has one of these statues seems to share these dreams and you know have trouble sleeping then uh, why am i still having the dream i thought you took the statue away from me well i'm afraid or i don't I know that you. that answer quite yet are you getting agitated at the question you can see he's thinking of 
a multitude of new questions to ask you. And I'll, I'll kind of, you know, arm hook him <laughs> a little bit, you know, wrap my, put my arm around his shoulder and say, we can chat as we, as we walk. There's quite a, quite a, an extensive cavern system underneath here that we have yet to fully explore. All right. You can so, ask your questions on the way. Yeah. And he, he does ask a few, but some of them just get cut off by the sights as you lead him through the now familiar entry hall with its glowing lichen and, uh, you know, bat-faced toad motifs scrawled all over the wall. Through there, deeper into the caverns, through the hall of history that paints, perhaps, the history of these serpent people as they were cast into the earth by early humans. And there, you have a maze of paths to take. And which will you choose? Last time, you had chosen one based off of a listen roll, I believe, where you heard this sort of repeating thrumming pattern coming deep from the earth. Yeah. It would kind of go one, two, three, and then it would pause on four, and then you would get like another on the and beat, and that would be held for a while. Uh, And you almost get this sense of words, but you can't quite make them out. So are all of the passageways fairly well lit by the the lichen? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'll keep an eye out for any... Um, writing or anything like that that I might be able to decipher even one or two pieces of that seemed interesting and and head down a, a side passage. Okay. Yeah, so you kind of look in a few of these passages until you find something like that, and you do find a bit of cave writing, you think. Uh, this is not in the Aklo or of the kind that drew images of Zagua, but these appear to be more of the human variety where they are, you know, the shapes of animals or the sun in the sky, that sort of thing. Do you okay. like this path? Um, it will intrigue me, so yeah, I'll, I'll head down this way. Okay, so you head down for a while and the path opens into a series of connected chambers and you get the sense of a den of some kind. Uh, something inhabits this place. It's filthy and strewn with bones and refuse. And even in this dream, it smells bad. And out of the corner of your eye, you see a shadow that just looked like part of the cave wall sort of shrink back around the corner. Now, do we have any kind of light? Did Detective Nichols, I suppose, have any kind of light source? Or do I have a lighter or anything with me? You do have your lighter. Okay. So I'll I'll light my lighter and kind of hold it up to try and get a, a closer look in the shadow. Okay, so... You hold that lighter up after igniting it, and you see the top of the head of a creature sort of peering around this rock. It has all two human eyes, although its face is very ape-like, although not quite, not completely. When you flick your lighter and that flame burns, it seems to draw the curiosity of the creature, and this, it comes from around the corner, and it's about four feet tall, sort of hunched over, Longish arms, although you're torn. Is this human or is it ape? You could give me biology roll, but maybe that's not the right one. Let's see. Let's do a history roll. History, history. Ooh, I paid attention in history class. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, this isn't your... This is this is in the extreme distant past of history, so it includes some theory from scientific work. So this, you believe you are looking at a lower some precursor to humanity and it's quite 
revolting in an odd way for you to look at. So give me a sanity roll. So the things that would cause you sand loss, you just understand them intellectually. So its nearness to humanity unsettles you to a degree that you feel almost uh, an uncharacteristic violence against it or the, the want to do violence. It It's like it's so close to humanity, it, it could walk amongst you almost, and who knows what it could get up to. So maybe it would be better for a species such as this to be left in the past for all time. Yet here it is before you. But you can resist all those thoughts and act how you wish. And it it's intrigued by my lighter, right? Yes. Can I set my lighter down on the ground in a way that the flame won't go out? Is it like a Zippo lighter? Yes. Okay, so yeah, I'll set it down on the ground and kind of back away from it and kind of put my arm out and have Detective Nichols back away from it as well. He whispers at you. He's like, what is that? That That is potentially one of our ancestors, humanity's ancestors. We Consider came it a, from uh, that? Uh, a stepping stone towards our our modern state. A small stepping stone. So uh, it looks at your lighter for a time, and then it rushes out towards it to grab it and then flee off somewhere. What are you going to do, Mr. Monroe? I'll, I'll try and make, you know, calming motions at it, and, and uh, if I can't, then I'll let it run off with the lighter, hoping that it keeps it lit. Okay, we will uh, rely on your charm for that. Oof. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. So yeah, it pauses. It it has its hands with have slightly longer fingers than humans have, and it's almost got the lighter, but it looks up at you with its all-too-clever eyes, though not quite human, not fully. That's part of the discontent in your mind when you look on it. But there is a, a bit of cunning to them, as though it could get up to all sorts of mischief. But it pauses cautiously and regards you. Were you distributing a flyer towards it? <laughs> <laughs> That'll come after I, I talk to it for a second. <laughs> um, but no, I'll, I'll, you know, reach for the lighter if if it'll let me get close enough and kind of close it and then open it and strike it again. Yeah, the the act of igniting it again causes it to skitter back towards the wall, but then it it looks at you again and looks at the flame. So, yeah, kind of Encino Man style, I'll close it again and, and offer it to him, or to it. So he comes a few steps forward, uh, picks it out of your hand, and tries to work the, the latch that closes the lid on it, and it makes that clink sound, and you hear some skir- some skittering, and you can see his shape, although it's by the lichen light, and when it skitters back a few feet, it makes a call, sort of a shriek that echoes throughout the cave, and you hear a bunch of pattering feet descend out of the different chambers. And so, suddenly, there's a bunch of hands grasping at your clothes and like pulling you this way and that. Same with Wayne Nichols. Uh, what would you like to do? Um, do they seem to be trying to harm us in any way? It's difficult to tell. Like They're smaller, so they are doing you know, some superficial damage to you. Maybe like playing with a younger kid. You know, yeah. They can still still sort of hurt you, but not too badly. Although you're not sure if they're intent on it yet. They seem to be just tearing at your clothes and looking for other things to take off of you. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll make one loud clap and then, you know, launch into, you know, my showmanship 
orating. People, 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 please, please calm yourselves, calm yourselves, calm yourselves. Okay. And, and see so, kind of how they react. Whilst you're doing that, out of your peripheral, you see Detective Wayne Nichols has produced his service pistol, and he's sort of pointing it this way and that, and one of the <laughs> lower hominids come close to him, and he fires it, and the sound is deafening in the cave system. And it's uh, you actually can't hear anything for the next little bit <coughs> after it goes off, besides a ringing. What would you like to do after that? That's pretty much destroyed your ability to soothe the all these lower hominids um i'll start kind of pushing my way backwards if i can towards the entrance that we'd come okay. from yeah so you're making a few steps back there and you see uh one of these things come out of a an adjoining passage and he has a like a rock in his hands in both his hands and he's coming up kind of behind you with it preparing to throw it at you okay which um, he does so. so it comes sailing through the air. What did you want to do? You could rush it with a thrown weapon in uh, in close distances. You can actually like fight back where you could move forward and like knock it out of his hand before he's able to throw it or do some other fighting maneuver. Or you may simply dodge out of the way. I think I'm going to fail no matter which route I take. Um, I don't suppose there would be any way I could try to catch the rock that he throws at me. Yeah, you could do it with that fighting maneuver. Okay. You would have to beat his. See how he does. Just, you would just have to. You would have to get a harder, better roll on brawl. Yep. All right. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So your hands—they don't go where you want them to go necessarily, and it, the rock sells through where your hands clasp together and slams against your chest, dealing two damage. Okay. But we'll now give you the opportunity to act. While you hear Wayne Nichols fire that gun off a few more times, and you hear just the faintest, he's shouting something, but you can't make out the words. I'll try and, and reach him. Okay. So Make your way to him? Yeah, basically just fleeing to him. Yeah, that, can, that should be no problem. You uh, sort of shoulder your way past these little things, or it's like m- making your way through a gaggle of eight-year-olds or something like that, and uh, you're standing next to him, and he's firing his gun into a group of them. You can see two forms are lifeless on the ground. But yeah, I'll shout to him, we need to get out of here. Uh, okay, but which way? Uh, back back through the light, where the lichen was. Okay, so you run that way. Uh, give me a navigate roll. Navigate? I don't think I've ever even... <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the lichen has been, you know, in all these different chambers, and you think you may have picked the wrong one. But as you're thinking that and making your flight, they seem to stop following you. Uh, I'll need a spot hidden roll. Barely. Okay. Yeah, with only a foot to spare, you skid to a halt just as Wayne Nichols yells, Watch out! And you see there's a drop ahead of you in this narrow passage. Okay. Maybe 15 feet down. Just looking around quickly, is this the same drop that I had tried to you know, jump down before? Not quite. If it enters the same chamber, it's coming at it from another angle. Okay. Is there uh, the same kind of platform around part of it? No, it just it, it's pretty much you're in that narrow cavern and you just come to a sheer drop 15 feet down. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll apologize to, to Wayne Nichols. I'll say, I, I apologize in our, our haste. I seem to have gotten uh, turned around in here. I'm afraid that we may have to try to work our way through those things again. 
Well, uh, I don't think that's an option. I only got one shot left. Well, and how far down is the drop again? It's like 20 feet still? 15. 15. I'll say, well, perhaps if I help you down in this drop, then you can help me down once once you're on the ground. Nah, I better help you. Okay. <laughs> All right, so let's see here. So I'll, I'll kind of do that. Oops, mm. that's not who I need. <laughs> well, we rolled a five. That'll work for Wayne Nichols. So, yeah, he he lowers you down. He's able to hold you, and it'll give you a bonus die on your jump or either climbing the rest of the way down. See, they're both horrible. I'll try climb. Nope. You got a bonus to it? Oh. And... No. Mm. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, so... You know, you're just not an athletic person, and even though you reduce that drop by a significant amount, uh, you still land badly and take a D6 damage. Okay, that drops me down to 7 of 12. All right, but no wounds are taken. And uh, as you get back to your feet and you look up to Wayne Nichols, suddenly he's bowled from the top by a rush of these hominids, and he comes flying down full 15 feet, and he's knocked... Seemingly unconscious, but then his body fades from the dream. Uh, they stay up at the top and sort of taunt you with whoops and hollers. Did his gun happen to stay? Give me a luck roll. Well, at least I got something here. Mm. Yeah, it did. It, he left behind just the gun. Like, he fell and it clattered from his hand. And while his body disappeared, there is his his service revolver there. Of right. Which he said there was one round in it. So yeah, I'll pick it up kind of hand shaking and and uh start heading down this passage. You know, okay. Keeping an eye over the over my shoulder for these things, see if they follow me down. Okay. So from there you come into it opens out into a wider area. And you can see there are other passages that pitch down into this area. You're not certain if you see the one that you came to on the previous night, but you see these huge or these strange fungi, these huge fungi stalks that tower over you, maybe 10 feet tall or, or whatever. And um, you hear the sound of mist every now and then, maybe like every minute or so apart, you'll hear it spray out and you can feel it on your skin. Although your light does not travel upward high enough to make out where it's coming from. But as you're moving through these stalks, you stumble across another one of these hominids. This time it has a club in its hand, and it shrieks at you, but it's too afraid to attempt to come at you. At this point, what would you like to do? <laughs> Still holding the gun ready, I'd like to try and calm it. So, try another All try. Right. Yes, but we'll need an extreme success on it. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, but mm. yeah. Yes, yeah, so you seem to provoke it rather than calm it, and it comes at you with that club. All right. You're going to dodge or fight back? Um, I guess I'll fight back. All right. You need a hard success to win on that or a regular success in dodge. Oh, then I'll try dodging. Yeah. Okay. So it deals you two damage. Okay. I'm down to five. Uh, like they're all superficial, but they, they're mounting up and you can hear the patter of other feet amongst these stocks as more hominids are drawn uh, to the altercation. Okay. Um, yeah, hearing more of them coming, I'm going to try and flee further All down. Right, give me a, a constitution roll. Constitution. Oof. Can I luck that? You well, can. I'd have to I'd have to get down to an extreme success in order to outrun him, wouldn't I? 
Yeah, so with a failure, you're just moving a little bit slower than normal. And uh, maybe it's the dream state that you've come to recognize, but here you are, you're just not seeming to run fast enough, and now this group of these creatures has gained on you, and they're all pouncing over you, beating you with their clubs, and you're taking small wounds, but now you think you've reached the threshold, and you wake, gasping in your bed, covered in a sheen of sweat. So, apologies, Dr. Andrews, for the time away from you. Apparently, nights have become quite eventful Mm -hmm. for certain other investigators. But it is morning in your apartments. You are expecting to meet your fellow investigators at O'Lafferty's for breakfast and an exchange of information. Uh, Are you heading there straight away, or are there things you would like to take care of first? Yeah, first I got to redo the dressing on my wound. Okay, are you going to do it yourself, or make a stop by the hospital? No, I'll do it myself. I don't need no help from nobody. Okay. Well, no role is needed. Uh, Cleaning and dressing of wounds is second nature to you by now. So it's just a simple, although sometimes time-consuming matter to do it. However, getting a look at your hand is a bit disturbing at its state, but also relieving because when the effect that the interdimensional being had first put on you, its initial state seemed far worse than... Its current state. You're not sure if perhaps the method by which it traveled, maybe some of the effect was undone when the hole in the world went away and it was reduced to a degree. But there your hand is almost entirely degloved in parts and missing its pinky. Gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you get it wound back up into its mitt-like state with its white bandages, and you are free to travel on to O'Lafferty's, where you are the first to arrive, as Monroe was perhaps held up, because I think you you and uh, Mueller were going to meet in the morning, but then you you were the only one to get Andrew's telegram, so... Well, didn't we always meet there? I suppose that's true. Yeah. So yeah, we can just fast, fast forward to that. And uh, and so Mueller and Monroe walk into O'Lafferty's where you're already seated, Dr. Andrews. Okay, yeah, I'll just wave them over with my bandaged hand. Ah, good morning, Doctor. Uh, yes. You appear to have an eventful uh, day yesterday, you and Herr Whitmire. Uh, yes, that's one way to put it. <laughs> Quite eventful. Yes, I received your message, but... It was a little bit lacking on the details. How how badly were you injured? Yeah, so then I'll just I'll lay it all out for him as it happened yesterday with meeting Betty and the interdimensional portal <laughs> <laughs> and the ape crustacean insect creature and all that. Yes, so he gives you a summary of the events along with the confirmation that the hare found it or, sorry, Mr. Dooley's house did seem to belong to the same creature that came through the portal. And uh, also of note, a young woman by the name of Betty Williams had known Dr. Andrews and Wintmeyer were going to be there by a communication she had with her boyfriend, uh, Murrow Beckett, via AM radio. Yes, who admits to uh, taking part in ceremonies 
such as we've had described to us before. And he has memories of killing Mr. Dooley, but also sending others to kill Mr. Dooley. Well, I was just going to say that this is good news, is it not? We have found the murderer, or at least the one who ordered the murder. Right, Uh, but wherever they are, uh, I'm not sure how we get them back. Well, I would theorize that we send the creature to retrieve them, right? Yes, the uh, ritual that you mentioned does sound as one that we've heard about in several different places, uh, summoning a dark hunter of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoken about in uh, the journal of uh, Herr Corbett, uh, apparently gleaned from the Liberi Valnes, I believe is also mentioned in... Uh, is it mentioned, Davermis Mysterium? I can't that particular ritual, no. Oh. Uh, so, very well uh, likely that if we are to retrieve uh, this young man so that he may stand trial and replace Charles Murphy, uh, we would have to summon the creature and order it to uh, retrieve him for us. Well, uh, I'm ignorant to the rules regarding rituals and summoning creatures but <laughs> i would think we might have trouble since finn destroyed that creature with a shotgun when he came to save us at just the right moment yesterday uh, well where there's could, one there may be more so very well could be it could be that uh that's a corporeal body that you saw it was merely a vessel or a oh almost a homunculus a a golem something that was not real to begin with, that it was merely a spirit inhabiting it, or maybe it was something that uh, your mind made so that you could even view it. (laughs) It's always hard to tell, Dr. Andrews, when dealing with such creatures, but... Yeah, it's rather (laughs) confusing, isn't it? Someone has to uh, catalog all the rules regarding these things. At any rate... (laughs) um, I suppose we could try that method, sending the hunter to retrieve the boy. Um, there were other avenues that we could investigate as well. He yep. wasn't, he didn't perform the ceremony by himself, and there are other members of his, you know, finals club that we might be able to interrogate. This is true. We could involve them, perhaps force them to perform the ritual. Though I would worry. Uh, it would be them in control of the creature at yeah. that point. And I would not like for them to be in control, especially if we had to force them. Either way, I believe that we need to find these young men to find out some more details about the ritual. Uh, from what I've gleaned of Corbett's journals, it doesn't have the exact methods in which it was summoned. Mm. And I'm afraid that I don't have permanent access to the Liber Ivanis, so... I, I don't have a means of getting the ritual myself. Uh, back well, you, you, Oh, sorry, go for it. <clears throat> I was going to say you're mistaken that the, the only of the powers that Corbett um, mentioned that was detailed in his journals was the Dark Hunter one. Oh, that one was fully detailed? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's the, the one you could learn from it. But uh, it does take, just by your examination of it, it would take... A significant portion of time to fully understand it. Okay. 
Oh. At least if you were being thorough uh, to do that, yeah. Well, then I'll rewind and I'll, I'll uh, mention that, that uh, Corbett had detailed the, the process, but it is rather time-consuming for us to fully understand it and be able to perform it ourselves. Uh, back after the Corbett incident, I dedicated some time to his journals. Uh, perhaps I could uh, uh, learn the incantation as I've already dedicated some time to it. Well, there's something else to consider if we hmm. go down that path, which is that one of the, at least one of the other young boys that took part in the ritual went hopelessly insane and is now interred in a mental institution. Well, that is always a uh, potential, but uh, that is the risk we take when exploring the occult. Uh, yeah, th <clears throat> there's... um. With Murrow Beckett's story, there's a notion of possible worlds that he had mentioned that Andrews, like others, had difficulty in conveying. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways in which he told it is that the people at this original ceremony that took place on October 27th of last year, that he saw the same ceremony in different ways, basically different possibilities. So sometimes he led the ceremony, sometimes others had... And he had listed some names. There was himself, Cole Bishop, Wallace Bowers, Wade Hoffman, and others, but those were lost to the crackle of radio interference. Andrews had that information. Well, perhaps we can track down some of these others. If they were a party to the Dooley murder, then they could stand trial just as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it occurs to me that we need to find some public information about quite a few people. I would, there are some other members of the Church of Contemplation that I would like to uh, take a look at. Uh, perhaps we go to a public repository and see if we can find any information on these men. Perhaps take a day off. I'm sure uh, Herr Lamar would uh, like to hear that we will be also taking a day off. Yes, I don't see him around. I, I have a feeling that he will not be joining us today. No, Whitmire. Where is that scamp? Yes, uh, yes, you didn't mention Whitmire being injured. Is he all right? Yeah, he was not injured as far as I know, but uh, Finn told me that he has a habit when things get crazy of uh, disappearing for a few days and changing the way he dresses or something. I, I was drugged up when I read it, but uh, <laughs> uh -huh. um, apparently it's not out of the ordinary for him to disappear for a few days when... Extra-dimensional beings <laughs> attack us. So. Paranoia of the guilty <laughs> mind. Now, I should also tell you that I've allowed uh, this young Betty <laughs> to help us, as I'm afraid that she would go quite mad if she weren't able to do something. So that's someone else that might assist us. And she is uh, reasonably intelligent. Mm -hmm. And it's also, close. I wanted to state my preference that if we can find one of those uh, that committed this ritual and convince them to stand trial, then our investigation could end there. We needn't we needn't take any risks to retrieve uh, her boyfriend mm. if we've got someone else to stand trial and his fate is of his own making, anyways. Yeah, quite possible. Yes, mm. yes, it's I agree. Quite, it is also quite possible that the uh, other accomplices might not have been accomplices on this dimension. 
but in uh, right. one of the alternate ones. It is very likely that the other boys uh, had no knowledge or took no part in killing our Herr Dooley. Perhaps. There was only Guess one way to find out. Until we, yeah, until we interrogate him. Uh, anyway, uh, Frau Betty, uh, whatever her last name is, is uh, more than welcome. One canary is as good as another. Right, Monroe? <laughs> yes, I believe we had that discussion on our way home last night. So, to a repository of uh, public record of some sort? Yes. By the by, Dr. I was wondering if there is a safe way to remove a small amount of flesh from one's body that would produce the least amount of discomfort. Uh, depends on where the flesh needs to be removed and how close any veins or arteries are. As far as I know, there, there are no specifics to where the flesh must be removed from. Huh? Mm, mm, mm. Yes, I'll. What? Why? So... You just want to remove some amount of flesh? Uh, yes, roughly roughly an ounce. Oh, yes. That can easily be achieved. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't understand why anyone would want to do so, but there's a lot happening that I don't understand anymore. <laughs> At any rate, I could, in, I could provide instruction, but as you can see right now, I'm in no condition to be... Mm. undertaking any medicinal procedures yes yes currently it's just a, a matter of curiosity but and i'll i'll use that as kind of a way of launching into what had occurred at the public garden and what we had discovered about uh was it lily foot flores flores and uh her Odd possession <laughs> yeah i reckon i recognize that name mm-hmm. yes Yes, uh, that was actually one of the things that drew us to her Her statue was there was a statue made and there was a children's rhyme about, you know, being blessed by her. And when we went there, Lamar was, his body was Bless. taken uh, so she could communicate with us. And during that, she ripped off his earlobe and planted it in the ground to provide him with a blessing. And I was curious if there was a slightly less... Uh, visible well less violent and less <laughs> painful way of of safely removing flesh yes there there definitely is okay although depending on where it was removed from his ear that's one of the lesser painful places to remove sorry i have a wild monkey just jumped into my room and started throwing <laughs> things uh. he's getting violent now uh-oh uh, lower hominid yeah, he's a lower hominid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't let him get um, a club. Uh, so, uh, well, yeah. Uh, Dr. I, Andrews, one of the things that tr uh, triggered in your memory about Lily Flores is that Whitmire had mentioned that he ran into Wayne Nichols where he told you he had been uh, put on administrative leave and that he had en enrolled him to look into a couple of things. One was this Lily Flores, and the other one was, uh, forget now. Well, I'll think of it in a moment, but you know that <clears throat> apparently Detective Nichols is looking into Lily Flores on your guys' behalf. Perhaps he has some information. Mm. Oh, yeah, that would be good. I, I ran into him last night. Ah, you did? Yes, after, after uh, we parted ways and you went wherever you went. Last night, oh, I, I continued yes. on, and... Oh, speaking of which, what, what happened with you? 
I do not know how or why, but that stairway led to the gates of deeper slumber. Um, I have come across it in uh, several ancient texts here or there, but uh, it is a alternate reality that exists beyond uh, dreams where one can uh, essentially live out their lifetime in whatever, uh, in the spiritual form, in a dream form. Uh, but unfortunately, I was found lacking by the two that guard the gate, uh, Nash and, uh, what was the other one? Koma, Komarotha, whatever, I cannot remember. But yeah, so to, when, he, when he says that, then I'll like perk up and I'll say, I had that exact same dream. Hmm. And I was found wanting as well. Uh, I didn't think anything of it when I woke. That is odd. It's quite odd that we had the exact same dream. But I believe that there might be a hunch, perhaps, if it is just you and me. I wonder if Whitmire also had this dream, because we are the only ones that partook of that strange tobacco. And I wonder if perhaps that unknown ingredient uh, helps elevate the consciousness to allow for. Uh, so Lance is getting a, uh, a little bit jealous that he did not share in this dream. Well, so, it should become a smoker. It's good for your health. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to make that suggestion that, uh, you know, perhaps we should do a small experiment and try having a pipe of the tobacco before we sleep tonight. See if we can recreate the, the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Or if I, for, for I still have that, don't I, Travis? The dream castle? Yeah. Yeah, we could say so. I agree that Monroe should try some, but Doctor and Andrews and I, we have already been found wanting, and I worry about, without proper knowledge, if our constant visitation might elicit a response. Hmm, true. Um, there are some texts here or there. Unfortunately, my, my Latin has become a bit rusty. Uh, so perhaps... Uh, after we are done here, or as a repository, Monroe, you can stop by and I can loan you one of my texts and perhaps you can find some information on the gate. Yes, uh, deeper slumber. I'd be more than happy to take a look at that. All right. So we have... So, oh, well, go for it. Uh, the other topic that he had Detective Wayne Nichols look into was uh, Michael Thomas. Pastor Michael so Thomas. That would be the, yes, that would be the information that he may have for you today. All right, so... If he's alive. That are we to go first, or are we to split up? Public records would be held at central records. That would get you things like death certificates, titles, birth certificates, that sort of stuff. Uh, if you want news reports, then the Boston Public Library is probably the best place. And you could either go to Wayne Nichols' home or see if he is at the Hermetic Order of the Silver Twilight if you wanted to get the information he might have obtained. Hmm. Well, did you mention your theory that it's the frogs that are uh, allowing us to access that dream? Um, I don't know if I have yet this morning. Okay. Well, so where are we going? Where, where are the, uh, the public records, Travis? It's in an office called central records. Uh, but where, where in Boston, not too far from where you are. You guys have been located. Yeah. Around where the commons is, the Corbett house, this little 
main part of Boston, I guess, for lack of a better term. Okay. Okay. Any idea of what it is you actually want to look for, Monroe? Well, I'm I'm torn between looking for buildings that were owned by the men of the order before they disappeared or passed, or seeking perhaps where they were buried to see if those members also had uh, these soul fetters that maintain their spirit after death. Makes perfect sense. But we well, may yeah, be able to find some of those things at the library as well. If we find their obituaries, it, it may contain where they were interred. Have I been kicked out of this library? Boston Public Library? Yeah. Yes, it was uh, last summer. There could be some risk involved. Herman Monroe, <laughs> I have been forbidden from returning to the public library. They are a bunch of idiots and fools, and I hope it all burns to the ground. But mm. I will obey the law. I'm also curious about Mr. Nichols, because we had quite an adventure last night. Perhaps the restaurant would allow us to use the phone to telephone his home and find... Perhaps his wife can tell us where he is. Narrow the search somewhat. Uh, it, it appears that either way, I am either going to the public records or to Herr Nichols' house. So, or wherever Herr Nichols is. Yeah, they can be persuaded to allow you to use the phone. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try and ring up Nichols at his home. Yeah, you have the the operator dial the residence of Wayne Nichols and you hear the familiar voice of Fiona pick up on the other end. So, yeah, I'll, I'll introduce myself, you know. I'm Lance Monroe. He, you had us over for dinner a little while back. We were curious as to where the good detective Nichols is today. Oh, yes, I remember. How could I forget? Uh, I believe he said he was heading down to the lodge hall for a little while, and then on to dig into something. He was a little cagey about it, so. And how are the two of you doing since our our uh, dinner? Better. I got him to eat vegetables for the first time last night, and unfortunately we still seem to be afflicted by these dreams, but his appetite has changed, and mine also. Good, good to hear. That is a, a wonderful thing to, to hear. Well, thank you for... Letting us know, is there anything else we should know about the detective, or you mentioned that he was uh, acting a little bit cagey. Yes, well, these dreams seemed to take their toll on the both of us, and it seemed he had a particularly bad rendition of it last night. Physically, he was fine, although he looked pretty tired. Well, thank you for your time, and hopefully we will have a chance to have a, a less uh, eventful evening sometime in the future. Yes, I would like the opportunity to make it a to you, when would be a good time for you? Well, perhaps sometime a little bit later this week. Uh, when I speak to Detective Nichols, perhaps we'll find a time that we can all get together. I shall look forward to it. Have a good day. You as well, ma'am. So yeah, I'll, I'll let them know that he's at the uh, Hermetic Order. Hmm. Very well. Perhaps they will allow me in as one of your guests. Or I can wait outside or go to the repository. Yeah, I'd like to go to the lodge and speak with Detective Nichols first. Yeah, I'd like to speak with him too. Uh, so maybe we can all go there first and then we can spend the afternoon chasing down whatever leads we have for other things. Hmm. Very well. Because he had some information for us as well, didn't he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll uh, scoot or Whit out of Whitmire the, uh, set him on the path. I'll scoot out of the uh, booth, I guess, of the, you know, the, at the table. You're right. I'll scoot out and start walking towards the door. 
hobbling all right the door <laughs> so you guys all head over to the hermetic order of the silver twilight where the now familiar romanesque architecture looms welcomingly in the distance and you members are just expected to walk in where the ever-present wait staff is there to take your hats and clothes or any other items you don't want to carry about with you and they look at mr mueller and they are is he to be your guest today yes we're uh here to meet with someone very well can we get you any refreshments uh perhaps a cup of coffee or tea <laughs> yeah i'll and ask the same. for whatever uh whiskey goes best with uh <laughs> opiates <laughs> accentuates the flavor yeah uh yeah, yes I'll, of course yeah i'll we ask will for see to strong it. coffee <laughs> uh please uh, make yourselves comfortable we'll get it to you shortly uh by the way monroe you can erase that damage you took and inflict it on your mp instead okay although you will have gained two or three points back by now, we'll say three points. So three points back, so we'll be down four. Okay. And the rest of my magic points had recovered overnight? Yes. Okay. Well, well, you woke with that magic damage, and then it's been three hours since you woke up, and you gain a, a magic point per hour. So. Okay. Yeah, I, I lost some magic points yesterday. I don't remember exactly where, but... It was from the previous night's dream. Oh, okay. Where so, you... So that would have been gone Hell. by the time I went to bed. Right. Or I would have regenerated those magic points. Yeah, so as you head into the lounge, uh, Dr. Andrews, you see at least one familiar face in the uh, parapsychologist, do you think he said he was? His name was No Redding. He had hypnotized Whitmeyer yesterday, but he's in conversation with two people you haven't had the honor of meeting yet. But you can see Detective Nichols is in there in the bar sipping at a drink. Okay, yeah, so we'll I'll head over to him then with my drink and sit down. Okay. And I'll clap him on the shoulder and say, Ah, it looks as if our adventures last night uh, have not had too much of ill effects, even though they were rather uh, startling. Yeah, he seems uh, alarmed to see you there. And he's like, wait, you had that same dream? Yes, we were in it together. That is strange. I wonder why I never see my wife there. Oh, I suppose it doesn't matter what... Do you have any more to tell me of it? Uh, unfortunately, no. I fled from those things, and they eventually chased me down. And yes, good morning, Doctor. It's good to see you again. I hope you're doing well. What happened to your hand? <laughs> oh, I had an encounter uh, yesterday morning at uh, Boston University. Uh, accident with radio equipment, but uh, I'll be fine. Technology. I don't think we'll ever learn what we're messing with. Uh, and... Mr. Mueller, right? It's mm. been a few days since I saw you. Uh, yeah, sorry you couldn't make it to dinner. <laughs> Unfortunately, business took me elsewhere. But uh, It was probably for the best, the way it, things went down. I thought it was most exciting. Well, what are you gentlemen up to this morning? Well, we received a telegram that you had sent saying that you had some information for us, and we were coming to speak with you about that before we began on our own uh, leads that we were tracking down. Yes, uh, I do. Um, not a lot, but I did manage to look into both Lily Flores and Michael Thomas. Now, 
I asked my wife first about Lily Flores because she goes in for the socialite activity and she was familiar with the name. You know, she was at the height of her fame here in Boston as a vaudeville player maybe 10 years ago. But what was what made her more famous was her propensity to appear in the papers with a new man on her arm, uh, seemingly for each public appearance. It quite scandalized the community, you know, the, uh, but it also made her a bit of a hero because she was quite shameless about that fact. A hero amongst women, that is. Yes, she was rather flirtatious. Uh, excuse me, what was that? Have you met her? Uh, reputation only, I, I'm sorry. Oh, okay, I understand that, but apparently she died of the Spanish flu two years ago. I have the copy of her death certificate here. Have a look. So yes, as you can see, she died mm, December 22nd of 1919. Or sorry, excuse me, the 23rd of 1919. Uh, you guys can make an occult roll for those who have her. Or everybody can. Oh. No, not happening this time. How do we do? Nobody? Oh, hang on. There we go. Now I gotta wonder, what would it be like if I pushed it? <laughs> what would happen? <laughs> well, yeah, um, the the wait staff have brought around your strong cup of coffee, and uh, you have a a reputation now of destroying documents or obscuring them with <laughs> with a spilling coffee. <laughs> so perhaps you could damage the this evidence if there is more in there. Okay. To know. Mm. It's over fifty percent, guys. More, more could go wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tempted as well. If you do it, I won't. <laughs> if I do it, would it be like a a wrong assumption or? It's got to have consequences. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm. Uh, you're you're considering this information while the drinks are being delivered, so uh, it would be. It doesn't really matter who failed on the push to, to keep uh, with, the same uh, yeah to keep with uh the gag monroe would probably accidentally bump mueller who right, would then right, be yeah. blamed for spilling the yeah all right should we should we go for always push if like i said if you're going to i'll take the safer route and not but uh oh i want to go for it justin <sighs> all right yeah i'll push oh yeah always push nice. <laughs> Well, it's just a curiosity more than that, but the 22nd to the 23rd is the, you know, the winter solstice occurs late that night, and uh, that has some occult trappings to it. It's it's thought to be another one of those subliminal phases mm. in time. Uh, evidently, that's when she died. Uh, according to the certificate, it was of Spanish influenza with complications from pneumonia uh, contributed tributary causes were exhaustion and then it has some other information on there although we know that she didn't quite die yeah according to the death certificate she was buried at fairview cemetery a few days later in boston okay so where she's buried doesn't line up with where well at least where she was supposedly buried does uh this help you in any way so you guys are passing the sheet around. Uh, you've got the uh, the drinks safely settled on the bar <laughs> for now. 
and you've all had a look at it. Well, um, yeah, so that's that. I mean, nothing really stuck out to me. Uh, who is she, and does she have any connection to the Dooley murder? Potentially indirectly. Hmm. She was a member nothing of an organization with- that we believe may have either perpetrated or assisted in the perpetrating of his murder. Right, right. Yes, um, well, carrying on, uh, Michael Thomas is difficult to track. Of course, he was arrested after the 1912 raid and charged with several accounts of manslaughter, and he was held at Con- uh, Massachusetts State Prison in Concord, not too far from here, but he escaped. Uh, here's the Boston Globe clipping on that. Let me hand that to you guys. So this is from the Friday, April 5th, 1918 edition of the Boston Globe. Headline reads, Escape at Massachusetts Correction Facility. Two guards are dead after a strange explosion last Wednesday at the Massachusetts Correction Institution in Concord. The explosion occurred in the cell of Reverend Michael Thomas, who was sentenced to life in prison for his involvement with the deaths of several police officers in 1912. While it's possible Reverend Thomas also died in the explosion, authorities found no discernible remains and are forced to assume the man escaped. Furthermore, five other inmates were moved to Danvers State Hospital after exhibiting mad behavior the same night, but authorities claim this to be a separate event. State police ask that anyone with information contact their offices. And as to his whereabouts after that, I I got nothing. Mm. Um... So I wanted to point out that, um, like not to take us backward in the conversation, but looking at the death certificate for Lily Flores, um, we see that the, see, who is that? The above, well, Samuel Blackman is on there and he was on our persons of interest link board, you know, the NPC link board. Yes. Uh, he was listed as the informant. Yeah. Do you know who that is? I'll take you back to the link board. This was Nichols asking you. Yeah, I can't in character. Remember. I was also trying to look for. Did we ever have the Corbett death certificate? No, you did have his will. You want me to drag that out? Well, no. I'm just trying to see if Carl Moore, the person who signed off on her death, signed off on anyone else's death as well. That we know died in a way that. Uh, Allow them to continue living. Well, I should think if you knew who these people are, uh, you could just dig up their death certificates and yeah. cross-reference them. Something we might do in vital statistics today. So, Mr. Blackman was, he represents... You know of him via Whit, uh, Whitmire, yeah, had Whitmire. an encounter with him. And he said his shadow was wrong, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll kind of give Monroe a look on that. <laughs> Yeah, to, to work for an organization called the Consortium, very consciously using the English pronunciation because that's what Lovecraft would do. <laughs> I think we say consortium, except I never say that, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I said to Whitmire yesterday, I find myself with an abundance of time, so I'm happy to bloodhound something for you as long as it doesn't get me in any trouble, so you point in the direction and I'll head that way. Uh, perhaps uh, Detective Nichols would like to look into uh, the young men at uh, Harvard. Yeah, and that's uh, that's what I'll say to Nichols. I'll, I'll 
tell them that we've got some information about some Harvard boys that might be involved and certainly are the ones who left the pig's head on his doorstep. But um, let's see. It was... I had three names. I can't remember. Yeah. Let me pull that up for you. It was... Um, so you had Cole Murrow Bishop. Beckett. There you go. Yeah, Cole Bishop, Wallace Bowers, and Wade Hoffman. Harvard kids, huh? Looks yeah. like I'm headed for trouble whether I want it or not. <laughs> what was the name of the professor? Professor Jarvis. Ronan Jarvis. Yeah, Ronan Jarvis. Yeah, that name's kind of familiar to me, I think. Yeah, that's right. He went missing a few months back. Mm. <laughs> what do these guys have to do with it? Well, these boys are members of a finals club up at Harvard, but they, their, their, uh, their club symbol is a, you know, the Harvard symbol with a pig head in it. And uh, Mr. Dooley's journal talked about a pig's head being left on his doorstep after he tried to chase him away from the house across the street from him. Yes, I remember that. I they were on my to do list before the investigation got stonewalled. Well, we've. <laughs> had some conversations with the one of the boys girlfriends and she says that they they were taking part in some sort of satanic. ritual <laughs> yeah some satanic activities so uh, just before that that one who you recognize went missing gotcha and you think these are just persons of interest or or perhaps suspects well personally i think that they're suspects mm. i think they're I think they're the ones responsible for his death. Wow. What so kind of next, motive do you have for it? Uh, satanic. <laughs> Satanism, you know, devil yes. worship. From some of the journals that we've, we've read, it appears as if Dooley was chasing them off of certain areas that they believed these rituals. Harbored dark powers and that would fuels our rituals. Yes, and so we believe that the murder may have been because of his interference and partially because they believed that it would uh, give them some sort of powers. Hmm. Hard to think of a pettier reason, but it's not without precedent. Oh, kids these days, they are so petty from from birth almost. They <laughs> don't know true hardship. Especially rich kids. I agree. Well, yeah, I'll see what I can dig up on them. I'll try to get back to you guys back to you by this evening. Hmm. Oh. That would be most wonderful. I also discussed with your wife about setting up another dinner at some point. Wondering, would th sometime this week work for you, or perhaps when the investigation is done? Uh, we could, yeah, sometime later this week would be fine. Um, I don't have anything to do, to be honest. So, <laughs> 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 so I suppose the sooner the better, so I, I guess it, it, it comes back to your court as to what time would be most convenient for you. Well, if it works for everyone else, perhaps we could meet at your house tonight and discuss what we have found. Perfect. I will notify my wife right away. Apologize to her for me for the short notice. Oh, no, not necessary. She'll be delighted. Well, I suppose I will get to it, gentlemen. Good luck on your end. Good day to you, and I look forward to meeting uh, Frau Nichols. Yep, so he gets up. And walks out of the lodge, leaving the three of you to carry on. That was a good eye, by the way, Dr. Andrews. Oh, yeah. Um, looking very carefully over every line for clues. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you really are the gumshoe here. 
because I wasn't going to to just point it out. <laughs> so there was one other name on there that I was kind of curious about. Where where do I have? Yeah, that? Carl Moore. Yeah, yeah. The doctor. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if he were present there at her supposed death death by Spanish influenza, yeah, he might have information for you, or or not. Depends. I've got so many materials now; it's impossible to find anything in my <laughs> drop down. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna have to sort it up a little bit this week. But if you, uh, I think everything that is a handout like that is on the link board, and I've kind of put them around the characters that they're attached to. So you can, what is it? Shift Z, or you guys can just click on it and hit Z, and it'll make it big enough for you to read. Mm. So that might be a little bit easier oh, nice. for you to, yeah, yeah, to look into whatever curiosity you have. <laughs> uh, going forward, I'll make sure that they that every handout is like that. There are a few that aren't, but you know, I didn't foresee this. But in any case, I suppose the easiest way for you guys is to pick a subject, and then I can direct you to the most likely place, be it vital records or a library or elsewhere yeah due to my uh being banned from the library i'll have to go to records so i guess i'll be looking for uh at the names of the people that we have on our list in the titles properties whatever they own where they might have a place to soul fetter to right yeah. themselves. and death certificates as well we may hmm. have found some sort of common links there as well so Mueller is heading off to Vital Records. Will he be going alone, or what Let's are the see. other? You, what were other the other things today? we were going to do today? Well, we still have more dousing to do. Uh, yeah, but I think we're going to use the information you get from from your search in narrowing down the area Boston will be looking at. Yeah, because the prospect of following these lines through Boston. Especially since they have this uh, unfortunate knack of traveling through structures, uh, you think it would be quite difficult to, to determine where a holy site would be using that method. Also, a spectacle for people in we the street of Boston. What Monroe is going to do? He's going to go back to his museum, turn the sign from open to close, and he's going to go smoke up all that dream castle. Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for a professor, my library uses in the toilet. You yeah. always had undergrads doing it. Yeah, well, I like to think at my age, like most of my skills represent a uh, a decline and not... Uh, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what about you, Dr. Andrews? Perhaps you should think of the most confusing subject and aim in that direction for enlightenment. As <laughs> the uh, the Arthurian legend points out, the Knights of the Round Table went to the darkest part of the forest to begin their search for the Holy Grail. But hmm. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just being a helper. Well, um, yeah, that's actually, I think, what I'll do. Um, I didn't get a chance to write them down, but what were, what were the names of the two Egyptian men that wouldn't let me dream? Okay, one moment. Could you drop those into uh, chat, too, so I have proper spelling? Yes. So they were noshed and amen, ah, like that. Thank you. All right, Andrews. Yeah, so then I would um, go research those at the library. Those names? 
Yeah, I want to figure out what's going on there. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I'll suggest to him that we head to Harvard. Do the Widner Library then? Yep, because I was going to you know, look up some stuff there. Or actually, I guess... Actually, that's that's good because then we're pretty close to, uh, you know, digging into those boys that were part of that ritual. So, yeah. Okay, so you guys put your hands in the center and break, and then you split off in your different directions. I suppose just two different directions. With Mueller going to Central Records and the other two heading off to the Harvard campus and the Widner Library. So we'll stick with Monroe and Dr. Andrews for now. And I think you've both been to this library. Uh, surely Monroe has. Yeah. And the doctor for that matter. But it is constructed in a manner that there's a central area well lit by, you know, uh, windows, like these big tall windows. And there's all these desks arranged out there. And usually what you do is you sit at your desk and send off a librarian to get books for you on a particular topic and they bring them back. Although that wasn't good enough for Monroe and Mueller and they made their way into the stacks, which are in basements beneath the library. But I will set you guys in that main room for now. Uh, how would you like to proceed with your search? Well, I'm assuming that he's probably going to be looking for something that would be down in the stacks. So I'll uh, petition the, the librarian to allow us to go back down. Yeah, and whose uh, connection was it last time? I forget. Was that yours, Mueller? I think it was mine. Yeah, I think I failed mine. Okay. All right. Yeah, so it was a, uh, I believe, someone you knew from doing some previous research. And you are in luck. They are working again today. And um, Peter, I believe his name was, if I'm not mistaken, he kind of looks at you. <laughs> Much the same as Lamar looked at Mueller, although he would have the same look for Mueller, as he's been having a rough time of it ever since you guys came here those days ago. But uh, he, he kind of pales a little bit and uh, like, oh, uh, Monroe, was it? Is that right? Yes, yes. How, how have you been? I'm doing okay. Uh, what can we, or what can I do for you today? I'm afraid I never had a chance to finish up my research down in the stacks. I was wondering if you could uh, allow us to go down there and continue. Uh, well, so we'll need some new persuasion. He's been reluctant to go to that part of the snap the stacks ever since his encounter with a strange individual down there. Okay, can I take the time to do an actual persuade check? Yes, you guys may. Okay. You can both. <laughs> oh, I guess that won't be necessary. But go ahead and toss it out, out there as well, Andrews. Oh, oh uh, man. We're, we're doing persuade? Yeah. <laughs> nice. You are one very so. <laughs> persuasive person. <laughs> There's uh, no way he could have withstood <laughs> combined <laughs> efforts. Like, even the hint of wavering, and uh, Andrews would, even though Monroe was taking the lead, Andrews would drop in some detail that made uh, the course of action obvious for any but a fool. And so... After a short time, he's battered down, and his shoulders slump, and he leads you into the stacks. That persuasion is just uh, uh, Andrews introducing himself as Dr. Andrews. Just <laughs> boom. <laughs> Shakes well, his hand like an explosion went off. 
as we know, all Dr. Andrews says is, I am a success. (laughs) 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 And uh, that's all that's required. So He he immediately wanted to be a success like Dr. Andrews and can't resist (laughs) it. (laughs) So he leads you down into the basements, down into these narrow rows of books. Uh, uh, Different detail this time as he actually brings a lantern with him as opposed to the first time where he left it to the electric lighting down here. But he's holding it up before him, and he says, uh, so to where will we search today, gentlemen? And I'll, back to the occult? I'll say, uh, well, perhaps for part of our investigation. I believe uh, Dr. Andrews here has some uh, questions about some potential ancient mythologies around uh, dreams and uh, their significance, more, okay. more notably, uh, reoccurring dreams and men by the names of, uh, what were they again, Dr. Andrews? Uh, Nosh and Common uh, Thaw. All right, well, let's go take a look at the reference. Uh, we'll see if those names will pull up anything for us. So, yeah, there's those little wooden uh, shelves, like the little boxes that come out that are filled with index cards and his fingers start rapidly going through that and he pulls out a card and he's like, ah, here, Nosht and Common Thaw. Uh, together, it seems, uh, some connection to Egyptian rulers and uh, here are the list of books they appear in. Thank you very much. And uh, there were a few other mythological names I was curious about as well. Uh, Yig and, oh, what was the other one? Um, Zagua. Let's take a look here. Well, I don't see Yig. No, Zagua. That's with a Z? Uh, possibly with a Z, possibly with an X. Uh, oh, wait. This is an odd one. What do you think of this? Sothagua? Yes, that, uh, that, uh, that could very well be it. Yes. Uh, the reference material is quite light. It's only held in one tome. The uh, Liber Ivanus. Yes, if I could take a look at that book i would be uh <laughs> i'd be most thankful i i didn't know you had a copy of that here <laughs> oh yes we i believe we have the world's greatest collection of books at this time uh, well let's go track it down uh who, do you guys can you are you feel comfortable on your own or or do you want my help i believe if we have the references and we can make our own way i i have spent many a, a long nights as a an undergraduate in places much like this. And what about you, good doctor? Uh, yeah. Um, so he, I, he told me where I should be able to find that, right? Yes. Well, they list the like the row, uh, oh. and it has the title of the book. So from there, it's it's easy enough to go down and. Good doctor, and perhaps uh, you could have him go with you to help carry them to a, a central location. Uh, yes, please. Do you see, I have an injury. Okay, of course. Um, good luck, Mr. Monroe. Uh, follow me, Doctor. So he leads you uh, to a particular section of the stacks, mostly to do with historia, uh, history and Egyptology. And uh, he goes, here's one of the books, and he hands it to you. And it's a rather blandly named title on, on Egyptians' great pharaohs, uh, written by a man named Spencer Caldwell, and this was published sometime in the mid-1800s, 
And he says, have a look at that. See if you can find anything. And when it comes to the names Nasht and Common Thaw, you do strike some gold because they are mentioned in this book, not as belonging to, say, the Egyptian pantheon or anything like that, but as figures that occurred in at least three pharaohs' dreams as uh, gatekeeper-type figures or, or threshold figures. There was a, what do you call it, the term I'm looking for, a rite of passage, a, a drinking of certain liquids to prepare oneself to meet them and enter further into the dream. But it's sparse on other details of what lies beyond that point, as none of the pharaohs ever spoke about it except for their existence. And as for you, Monroe, you make your way back to the familiar occult section. You guys had been there just a few days previous. And one of uh, sure days enough, those you, have been. <laughs> you find uh, the Libra Ivanus on the shelf. At least the gold Latin lettering on the binding claims it is so. Okay, I'll uh, pull it down and head back to wherever it was that we were going to sit for our research. Okay. Since you're well averse, or you understand occult writings well, you know quite a few of them, and you're disgusted when you open the book. And it is not the Liber Ivanus. It is a book called The Grand Grimoire, which is a decidedly lesser occult tome of importance. Uh, mostly to do with the attempted summoning of Lucifuge and such, and you have read it and written it off as hogwash. So this is not the Libra Ivanus that you know by reputation. It seems that somebody has just done the binding to make it appear that way. Okay. Yeah, I'll be pretty furious. <laughs> <laughs> not to mention extremely frustrated, but uh, I'll also consider the idea that they had switched the bindings and go back to the the index location mm -hmm. and find the grimoire and where it would normally be be housed yes it's a good idea all right so back to you andrews you he's plucked out another one of those books and um this is another study of the old kingdom egyptian rulers particularly joser third dynasty ruler and again, you key on those names, Nasht and Common Thaw. And in this writing, it says that Djoser spent two years studying the stars and ancient writings to pass the threshold that Nasht and Common Thaw guard, the way to deeper slumber and the 7,000 steps. But it is uh, very vague, except to point out that, the, that Djoser was at first lacking but through this uh, apparent study of the stars and ancient writings, he found his way into the dream. And, yeah, is it, and that's just what it says. He studied, he studied the stars, like not, not specifically what, what he learned or anything? Yeah, it's pretty vague. And then uh, the ancient writings were delivered to him by set priests, uh, and they don't, it doesn't really talk about what they contained. The ancient writings were provided by the priests of Set? Yeah, right. Okay. Okay. And then as far as the other books that come up in that reference card, they're a variation of what you've already learned. Um, so it doesn't really illuminate it any further in that regard. 
except that by the repetition, you can guess that some growth must occur in order to pass the gates to deeper slumber. Okay. If you are to take it literally. Now, Mr. Monroe, before we get to you and the revelation of the Grand Grimoire, we'll pop over to Mr. Mueller as he's arrived at Central Records and he's gone to search stuff up. So where are you angling for first, Mr. Mueller? Um, let's see. I was here to track down the names of the church members and various titles that they might have held. So uh, perhaps we can start with uh, Reverend Michael Thomas. Is that one of them? Yeah. Well, you actually know from a previous investigation into this matter that the church records were specifically moved out of here and held okay. in a in a court that you didn't have luck during that investigation getting behind, although one of your members picked up the police report sometime later. Okay. However, death reports of specific or death certificates of specific members might not be held in that way. Okay. Of which you knew the names Daniel Ellsworth, William Murrow. All right. But you could also uh, look into their titles or whatever. Sorry to keep cutting you off. Go ahead. Well, like, yeah, it's for the best because I don't really remember names at all. (laughs) So, yeah, we'll start with uh, Daniel. uh, Okay. And uh, go ahead and throw out your library use roll. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's bad. (laughs) Are you going to do it? Well, you you haven't been kicked out of Central Records. So if you are thinking about pushing, this is again, in your mind, you should have found it. It should have been arranged in such a way. (laughs) Right. (laughs) This is again, probably the consortium uh, mucking up the waters. So, you know, you're looking at uh, banging on walls for hollow spaces and such, perhaps. Uh, Is there, uh, do I have to push immediately? No. So like I could say, go for whoever the second guy was you named. Yeah, uh, William Murrow. Yeah, and try to search him up, and in the case I can't find anything on him or Daniel, go, all right, now I'm pushing, because I've already failed on these two, and so now it's time to start banging on walls, and, you know, like, I don't know, trying to see if urine can reveal secret writing or something. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so make your roll for William Murrow. All right. Aha! Wunderbar! (laughs) Wow. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Critical success. Very nice. All right. So, uh, not only do you find William Murrow, uh, you you also find Daniel Ellsworth, because you realize you you were just making a simple mistake in your thinking, and uh, they were being sorted in a different way. So, once you keyed on to William Murrow, you realize that error, and you can go back and pull out Daniel Ellsworth. So, I'll share those both with you. Okay. So here is Ellsworth. Mm-hmm. There's Carl Morgan, also on uh, the same day. And here is William Murrow. Huh. They all died on the same day of the same disease. What a old coincidence. And as an added bonus, you, uh, you find the birth certificate for a William Murrow Jr. And you can see quite clearly on it that his parents are listed as William Murrow and... Uh, Stephanie Murrow were mother and father. Okay. Any, uh, oh man, it'd just be the birth certificate. Where would I find, uh, what, would I basically look at a white page or 
call an operator to find uh, an address or something like that. Yeah. 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 You could call the operator or look at uh, a directory. Okay. And was there anything else I was needing to look at? I can't like uh, this investigation stuff ain't my bag. I'm no gumshoe like Dr. Andrews. <laughs> yeah. That's what we need. Uh, you guys can communicate back and forth to remind what was already oh, could uh, talked I about. That, uh, due to my advanced age, I had them basically write a, a list. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that works pretty good. Look for this, look for this. So yeah, the other thing would be holdings or uh, places of importance to those those people, so we can try and find their their phylacteries or soul fetters or. Okay, so yeah, I guess that would be the next thing. Would be titles held. Yeah, so you can um, you can look at what properties are owned by them. uh, With so I know we'll give it to you that criticals pretty much open the doors so. You can see that William Murrow owned a largest estate on the outskirts of Boston, in which the address is listed on that title. Uh, quite a few acres, uh, highly valued, and apparently his widow is the current title owner. Okay. And in the directory, he's not in there anymore, but William Murrow Jr. is listed at li- as living at that address. And as far as Daniel Ellsworth goes, you do not, at least in the central records, find that his estate uh, exchanged hands. It appears that his last known address was sold off to the state. Could that, uh, well, I guess that's a bit different, but uh, almost something like uh, what Corbett sort of did. Like he, I guess it passed to someone else, but it was still kind of up in the air. Right, yeah. So the property's currently just just held by the government. And isn't there a politician here that that was part William of William Murrow was the uh the congressman. The okay. And and Ellsworth was the councilman. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, sorry, the gumshoe bit ain't mine. <laughs> no, that's fine. Is there a way I could find out uh what the state is planning or to do with a property or or something along those yeah, lines? Yeah, but but not here. You would t- have to talk to somebody in the in the government offices. All right. So I'd have to go to a government building. Yeah, and talk to the uh, office that deals with public properties, um, some bureau of land management, perhaps. All right. Uh, I'm guessing that that might be fairly close to the around this area. Yeah. yeah. It's like most towns. A lot of their government buildings are in a centralized location. Although sometimes they'll randomly send you off miles distant. But we'll pop back over to Dr. Andrews as you're going down to one of these books. And there you see a familiar frog, bat-like frog statuette on the shelf there. It catches your eye because you're familiar with it, but also as it seems to be situated in such a way that you might find it there. In fact, it's right next to one of the titles you were about to pick up. Okay, so um, now, does, do you mean familiar as in this in, this specific one, or familiar as in we've seen these styles before? Yeah, you saw one at Detective Nichols' house. Uh, you saw Monroe negotiate it out of Nichols' possession. This one looks very similar to that, although... You're not an expert. It doesn't appear to be ancient. It seems more modern design because it was cast out of pewter 
rather than the flint that you saw of the other statuette. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I'll pick it up. Okay. Well, no, you know, sparks don't fly out or anything, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, I'll, I'll take it to Monroe because I know he's interested in these things. And uh, okay. it's a little odd to find it here in the library. Okay. So, you um, go up and down the rows looking for Monroe. He's moved location t- uh, to find the s- a holding place of the Grand Grimoire. And there you find him as he approaches its location on the shelf. And he's pulling the book off. You can see it's titled Grand Grim- Grimoire when you walk up and and uh, say, hey, look at this. Yeah, Lance, I found one of these statues that you're always interested in. Where did you happen to find it? It's on the shelf next to this book. Well, if you'd like, I can take it, but I, I believe that that means that we're on the right path. Why do you believe that? Well, I... As uh, Mr. Mueller and I had mentioned, there is an organization that seems to be trying to slow down the investigation, and they seem to be leaving these in places for anyone that is doing the investigations to find. If you hold on to it, then you'll likely start having the same dreams that the rest of us have been having of some place out in the Midwest, a giant mound with structure underneath it and it appears as if it is also to blame for some strange psychological behavior with uh compulsive eating that we've noticed in a couple of people like mrs nichols yes i see hmm okay well i'll hang on to it then okay um well then perhaps i'll see you in the dream tonight (laughs) all right monroe free to turn back to the grand grimoire you pull it the rest of the way off your shelf, but then you hear some footfalls come down your row, and there's Peter, your helpful librarian, and uh, he says a telegram came for you upstairs, Dr. Andrews. Ah, excellent. Thank you. When you tear it open, it's it's from Dr. Call, your brother at the Hermetic Order of Silver Twilight, and he says in that telegram, urgent or urgent, Dr. Andrews, I saw two men take James Clark at our breakfast this morning. They took him in a car. Stop. I sent this to every library I could think of. Stop. I hope it finds you at one of them. Stop. Please get back to me at the Hermetic Lodge. Stop. James Clark. Yeah, the lawyer that we we got. So, yeah, I'll just, I'll dart over to... Monroe and tell him what's going on. Um, have you found the books that you were looking for? <laughs> yeah, for the most part, but this is a uh, much more important. And I'll, I'll kind of wave the the fake Libra of Honest at him. I'll say this thing is a, is a not only a, a sham but a, an absolute travesty. Someone has switched the bindings on this book, and if the next book. It, it's in the same state, then I will have nothing left to do here, and we can go. But please, let me look for this book first. Well, hurry up, and I'll arrange. Now, did, did we... You don't have a car. Nope. So we must have got here through some sort of public transportation, right? Yeah, either bus, um, okay. subway, or taxi. You hurry up while I'll, I'll go arrange us some transportation. Very well. I'll see you up there shortly. Yeah, so then okay. I'll go... You know, send a reply 
and uh, arrange for like a taxi to pick us up. All right. Uh, you do so. And Monroe finally has a quiet moment to see what is in the book that is at least bound as the Grand Grim- Grimoire. And when you turn the page to the cover or the title page, there is the words Liber Ivanus. And then a loose leaf of paper falls out from the book and settles onto the floor. Okay, I'll reach down and pick it up, even though that was really ominous and I expect to die before I reach it. <laughs> Monroe no, break out in it's... a cold sweat. <laughs> <laughs> he may not, but I did. So you uh, unfolded, it. it was just folded in half, and, and you see some words there, but you're just doing a quick scan, and you can see at the bottom that whatever it contains, it was written by Mr. Rupert Merriweather. And that is where we will close today's investigation. Until next time. Thanks for playing, guys. Thanks, Thank you, man. Travis. Yeah, thanks, man. Oh, if you man. have a second, I had one name like quite a while back that I, I've been meaning to try and get from you. Yeah. It was, there were two sorcerers that were mentioned in that, that book that... This has been a Death Watch production. Thank you for listening.